the, the crypto space has brought to sex tech is another way to empower both anonymity and ownership in the same mechanism. Um, and when that is related to sex specifically, it's really, really powerful. Hello, everyone. I'm SX Noir, and this is the Thought Leader Podcast. With industry thought leaders, this podcast aims to demystify and destigmatize topics in sex, culture, and technology. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and subscribe. The opinions expressed by the guests of Thought Leader Podcast are their own. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, hey, hey. So in case you haven't been to my events before, it's blessed rules. So when you hear something you like, when you see something you like, you cheer. Okay, that'll do for now. That'll do for now. Um, I'm SX Noir. Thank you all so much for coming all the way to Brooklyn to see me for NYC. Um, I have an amazing panel prepared for you all, and we're going to get started. If we could close that door, please. That'd be amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Mike and Maya, talk, please. Yeah. Mike and Maya, woo! Yes. Right to this guy. Hey, everyone. Hey, hey. Get my podcast voice talk. I know, right? How is it like that? Hold on. No, I got I got the pod, the podcast voice. My voice is for very. That's like the first thing I'd ever know. Oh, that's come on, <laughs> come on. This week is NFT NYC, which is a brilliant convention all around NFTs. So today we're going to talk about what those intersections look like. Now, is this echoing a little bit, or is it okay? It is. Yeah, you sound good. Thank you. Thank you. So I have Maya's books with me and Mike Mongo, and I'm going to have you all introduce yourself. All right. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Maya Brooks. Uh, I am a ex-finance analyst turned web developer and then product manager and now founder of Privy Labs and Privy Cam. Um, Privy Cam is a secure camera app for sex workers, for NSFW creators, or really anybody just wants to keep some spicy content private, um, we got y'all. So uh, that's me. I'm actually finishing up um, my MBA at Harvard Business School in a few weeks. Hey, and I'm a New Yorker for over 10 years now. So, and Kingster and all the other things. So all the sexy conversations are very, very much in my billhouse. <laughs> I, I just talk a good game. All right, just for for the record, and and uh, um, I'm I live in Cape Canaveral. Uh, I am training as an astronaut right now. I'm, yeah, I'm 58. And uh, for the record, this is a like SX Noir is sort of famous outside of here, and that's how she she uh, pulled me over here and uh, got me on my comfort zone. And uh, I get to meet and tell stories, and I have some interesting truth to share. I hope. When I was a kid, I was a graffiti artist, and then I co-founded Obey with Shepard Ferry. Did that for about 15 years, and then uh, it kind of gave me that I could do whatever I wanted. We did Hope, and then with, with Barack Obama, and then uh, I became an astronaut teacher, and uh, because I could. 
and and then I did that. And then a, a, a buddy of mine, one of the young guys that I worked with, opened up a design studio, called me up in, in uh, 2017 and said, he has this thing called crypto collectibles. It's on the blockchain. I didn't understand any of it. Would I come and talk with him about it for a month in QS? And I said, yes. And that turned into the 30th project, 30th project on the Ethereum blockchain called call Crypto Titties. Crypto Titties. And uh, so it's so, it is. And uh, so the thing is that uh, all these years later, it, I was just sharing with Maya how people get so hung up on the fact that it's crypto titties. And uh, we did this project. It was it was a riff off of Crypto Kitties, one of the first NFT projects, right? And uh, it was kind of just a play on that. And then we were doing it. And then I was sharing it again with Maya. Uh, the artist's mom came into town in Key West. She's from Quebec. They're from Quebec. And he, she asked what her son, the artist, was working on. I'm like, I'm working on some titties. And, and then she said, well, uh, interesting thing is that I have breast cancer. And so she had breast cancer and she's fine now here in the future. And uh, um, we changed the whole project because of that. We pivoted and we, uh, it became the first, first NFT project for social good. We gave 120,000 USD to thebreasties.org. Wow. Uh, we use THC and CBD uh, like care initiatives. We like alternative medicines like, and uh, information, like sharing that uh, breast cancer also affects people who are men and these sort of things. And uh, we're, we're a sex positive, po -po pal. And, and, in, uh, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm honored to be here to tell you the truth. Thank you. Yeah. So I met Mike at Art Basel, I guess over a year ago. And it was really funny because uh, I met Mike, my, my first NFT ever was around space travel. Um, and it was around the intersection of crypto and like space travel. And I was like, space sucks. Like it's only for rich people. Why would we care about going to space? Um, and Mike very much changed my mind. I saw him for space, saw for humanity. And I just remember, I was like Santa, you know, me and my like eight and two old, and I'm like standing up tall and Mike comes up to me and like, who are you? And I'm like, who are you? What's going on? <laughs> so it was like an instant, instant connection, which I'm grateful for. Um, and he's been a very proud voice within my life around NFTs and crypto and all the other things. Uh, and I met amazing Maya at the Harvard Blockchain Conference and I was like, sex. And she's like, I like sex too. Uh, and then, yeah, and I was like, I like sex too. We found some com common similarities around like the places we like to build and things we like to do. So I'm bringing you all some people who I'm very, very big fans of and admire so much in their work. We are all honored yeah. by your work. Yes. Okay, first things first, Mike, what are NFTs? Now, some of you all, I, I'd imagine that you guys do know NFTs that are in this room, but for the people who don't know, could you share with us a, a brief explanation of what NFTs are? Certainly. It's the simplest thing in the entire world. Like it's just digital assets that we have, we can, we can show provenance for, we can show that I own this and then I can trade it. That's all it is. It's just tradable digital assets. And uh, everybody's hung up on it. Like a lot of people are hung up on it and that's okay because people get hung up on the future all the time. And that, that's not my problem. That's not my job. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, we keep on doing it. And, and then another thing is when it gets tricky, by the way, 
um, that's when people who um, are not interested in our future or our well-being or the success and abundance, uh, success and abundance for everybody, corporations, big companies, people traditionally or companies or organizations that have been traditionally exploitive, jump in and take that sort of thing and 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 actually push these campaigns that say NFTs are a scam. Like they, all, banks, real estate, all the ones pushing the idea that NFTs are a scam. And I don't, I don't care. So yeah, what we do is we go and and like I get to like I got to see at least in Miami just change people's lives. This is 2021. You know me. I was like, and what about sex? And what about tech? Give it to me. And everyone was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was scared. And then they all come up to me afterwards, and they're like, so can we talk about what you said? I said I'd love for you to like advocate publicly about how you feel about these things. But yeah, I just showed up in my like little tiny dress and changed the world. And heels like this. <laughs> Idea. I'm obsessed. Well. That's amazing. And of course, the reason we're on here today is to learn how, okay, great NFTs, but how does that interact with sex tech? What does it have to do with sex? What does it have to do with tech? And so I'd love for you to expand my on first, like what's a brief explanation of what sex and technology is? Definitely. So I think sex tech is a really broad umbrella term, can relate to any sort of technology that empowers, enables our sexual expression, our sexual pleasure, our sexual health. Um, sexual wellness, uh, you know, monetizing sex, monetizing our digital art, um, anything in that realm, I think is sex tech related. And what the NFT space has really brought to sex tech, and I think what broader the, the crypto space has brought to sex tech is another way to empower both anonymity and ownership in the same mechanism. Um, and when that is related to sex specifically, it's really, really powerful. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, sex and tech has a lot to do with the crypto space, the blockchain space as a whole, and also NFTs. And just to give you guys a little bit more context of what sex and technology is, is it's any technology that enhances the human experience of sexuality. And when we say that, people will go, whoa, okay, what does that mean? So we're talking about bundles. We're talking about um IVF treatments we're talking about sex education we're talking about anything that intersects with sexuality and technology and so it can be quite expansive and a really big term that people get freaked out about um and the biggest thing that we have that hinders the sex and technology industry is shame and stigma so thanks for being here today shameless shameless audience i love you guys oh yeah 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 oh. <laughs> let's go um, so I want to get more into NFTs, right? And so I became a big enthusiast of NFTs when I discovered them mainly around digital uh, content ownership, around consent, around anti-piracy, around um, financial freedom, and just ultimately having this ledger that documents what someone has called, because as we know historically from everything from tube sites, Pornhub, um, all these different sites that scrape data and scrape, um, content and don't give ownership to the person who actually has created it. And so I guess what I'm asking is, what gets you excited about NFTs and what's the technical aspect around it that you think intersects with, um, potentially intersects with sexuality? Do you want to start? No, you. That's, <laughs> you're, you're, that's you're, yes, you're, you're, you crushed it. That's my All right. question. Okay, so I think, um, in terms of what gets me most excited about NFTs and, and I think, 
what we need to what we need to think about when we think about NFTs is your ability to own uh, own a digital asset, but also to license it, to control its IP, and everything around that is empowering to artists, to sex workers, to creators, to people who play in the digital space on any level. When you play on the digital space in any level, it is really, really difficult currently right now, right, to protect your content from piracy. I think piracy is literally like the Internet's oldest problem. Sure. Um, you know, and we saw in the porn space um, as early and for as long as, as porn has been around in a digital medium and available on the Internet, um, so many, uh, you know, other things pop up to steal that content to uh take away the power from the actual creator who's creating that content to pay forward the monetization stream um and what is exciting about nfts is that you have not only a record of that ownership but let's say you want to license your own content and enable your fans or empower your fans empower people who watch you to you know, support in your revenue stream, you're really creating an ecosystem that is kind of outside of our current traditional banking system and really allowing creators and artists to uh, to own their own own their own space. I I love that you said that. And something I want to get into as well is the criticism um, as we know FTX was a huge blow to the entire crypto um, industry. We had, it's been a tricky year in NFTs. We were just talking about it in TNYC. So we're under a lot of fire, right? And so something I really did enjoy and also enjoy about you all being here is that we are true enthusiasts and we care about the future of this technology. So what do we say to people who are slightly skeptical? You know, I, I believe that technology is much social as it is technical, and it takes a lot of faith and belief to believe in something about the future. And like you mentioned earlier, it's not my problem if you don't believe in it. Uh, but what do we what do we say to those folks? I say fuck off. I am. I mean, I, am, I mean, like it's, it's like it, y'all evolution has happened. And if people don't want to get with that, that's not my my challenge. Like the people are still existing in a Christopher Columbus mindset. And that is that is not serving the future at all. In fact, it is extinguishing us. And when I posit it to kindergartners, students, I mean, like I get to I got to talk with kindergartners and I said, here's the opportunity it is extinction, which every kindergartner in the world understands because they understand there's no such thing as dinosaurs because they find out about these giant monster lizards and they need to know for sure there's none around. So they validate that immediately. And I said, so it's extinction or elevation. And then they're they're mid they're like, what is elevation? I'm like, exactly. And that and that's the game. And so the as Elise just pointed out, this the, the way that the economic system has been set up, just because it just that's how it got set up. It's how it unfolded. I'm not criticizing it. I just required a better model. And as Maya pointed out, like content. If people are able to pirate my content, content or your content or our content, then we are immediately open to exploitation, just like that. And so when we can do it this way, and your technology is brilliant, like I, that's a plus. When so the Maya's technology it allows us to be control of the images that we send to people, say on like dating apps or something like that. So if I send somebody an image and then all of a sudden the account ghosts. They still got my image, but with Maya's technology, I can turn that off. 
and I, and I can also track it where else it goes. Right, we're enabling the tracking. I want to be clear about that. We're enabling the tracking. Um, we're in, we're just enabling you to track your image wherever wherever it's shared without your consent or if it ends up in an unwanted place. Um, we have an advanced watermarking system that allows you to trace that. And we use blockchain to use to prove provenance. So there is definitely like this overlap, this like really strong overlap with, hey, that's mine. Um, hey, I don't want you to take it. I can prove that it's mine without ever putting my name on it. And I want to enable, um, you know, services and other service providers to be able to say, okay, now we have these three pieces, we can remove that piece of content. I mean, it's like a, it's like a creep off switch. It's just a creep off switch. Maybe that should be her brand. It's creep off switch. Your website's called Protect Your News. So, yeah, we're called Privy Cam. Um, and you can find us at the website protectyournudes.com or protectmynudes.com. I bought all the domains. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. So something that I'm really, I am I'm obsessed with it. Something I'm really passionate about is blockchain technology as a whole. Um, that's really what got my interest and my, my attention from the beginning. This decentralized ledger, right? This decentralized future that we're all dreaming of. Um, so could you all explain to me a little bit more around the role that blockchain plays in your life and what gets you excited about the technology? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, <laughs> I, I am super excited about a decentralized future for so many reasons. Um, you'll hear a lot of people in the ecosystem talk about why a decentralized future is important for marginalized groups. Um, and I want to be really clear and specific, especially since we're at a sex tech event, um, why that's really important. Um, you think about marginalized groups, people who are discriminated against, especially by the making system. And as someone who used to work in finance, like I've seen this a lot. Um, when we're talking about marginalized groups, we're talking about sex workers, we're talking about immigrants, we're talking about people um, who work in less traditional jobs, we're talking about people who uh, maybe have been in the prison system and aren't able to prove their employment, aren't able to prove their income history. Um, and there are so many use cases with a more decentralized future, with a blockchain future where you can potentially anonymously uh, create a credit score, right? Based on other factors that are not related and tied directly to your employment. Um, you can prove like, hey, I've got steady income coming every month and nobody needs to know it's from my OnlyFans, right? Like those types of use cases are actually the pure and very core use case of blockchain tech. And I wanna make sure that when we think about the future and, and what that looks like and creating it and who anonymity and privacy are really important for that we really focus on um, and center center those groups because it's really important. The uh, the other thing is that like my family's Jamaican. So then I send, I'm always, anybody who's got family overseas or anywhere, we're always sending money home, right? And so um, I can send ETH or whatever crypto to different places and it happens instantaneously. And I can help people immediately. And I get to do that. I'm that kind of person to begin with. And, and so then I found myself in a situation uh, two years ago where there was this guy who was just falling through the cracks. He was in the U.S. and he was homeless. He was, he was getting kicked out of where he was. It was a bad situation. He was going to lose everything. And he didn't have all the wallets and everything set up. So I had to use traditional ways to send him money, which is uh, 
um, Western Union and Money Money Graham. Money Graham, right? And I've seen the commercials. I just hadn't used them. Western Union for sure, but Money Graham. It was, I mean, I got goosebumps. I, I, it, this person is at the edge. And I had been supporting them to get them off the ledge. And and uh, MoneyGram, uh, Western Union said, okay, so they the one person, the one company said, uh, do you know this person? I'm like, what? And they're like, I've, I've known her for years. I just like, they're like, have, do you know them in person? I'm like, I have never seen them. I've known them for years. We work together. And like, so we're, we're going to close down this transaction. It looks like a scam. What? Like, what did you talk? I was, I was, I was livid. Because the person who was telling me that, I didn't know them. And they're in charge of my. And then that was Western Union. So then with MoneyGram, MoneyGram, so I was like, okay, cool, I'll go do MoneyGram. So I sent MoneyGram. And then MoneyGram said, uh, exact same thing. We're, we're shutting it down. We, 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 we think it's a scam. And I said, wait a minute, I've already taken the money to you. And they're like, yeah, you can have your money back. I said, well, since I brought it to you, are you bringing my money back to me? Because I'm that kind of, like that level of intensity. And, and, uh, and, the, and so what I did was I found a, a buddy who had, who was crypto adjacent, was friendly. And, and then, they, and then they, uh, I sent it to them, they flipped it and then got the person the money, but it happened instantaneously. Like I was able to send them the, the currency immediately with the Ukraine. When there's some artists that I know in the Ukraine, I was able to get them the money immediately. I didn't have to ask anyone permission to use my currency. There is drawbacks. There is because um, people are using it for, for criminality. I, I acknowledge that. As if no one's using USD for criminality. Right. Uh, uh, like banks aren't using big money for criminality. Really? And so that's, that's the, these are the things that we get to, we get to acknowledge this with one another. Like I'm, I'm in integrity with the conversation. You're not, I'm not pretending. Yeah. And I think that's actually why we've seen so much regulation, um, actually beg for like regulation from the crypto space, right. In order to kind of like legitimize the space, but in a privacy preserving way so that people or individuals who want to remain private and use crypto for, you know, Things that are not financial crimes, but that might be morally uh, ambiguous by the law, or evil, or uh, yeah, or yeah, evil, yeah. or evil, but but uh, like things that are morally amb ambiguous. I think in in our legal case in the U.S. here, like porn, like um, you know, uh, various other forms of sex work, um, stripping, etc. Um, they don't deserve to be cut out of the financial system. But we're not doing anything illegal. Uh, and for so many people, that is like a struggle they face every day where every day. They're, they're don't have access to traditional banking services should not be punished. That should, that is not, if that's what is required to live, we, the, the, our civilization, our society does not get to make that determination that someone does not have access to those. Right. Period. Period. It ends right there. That's it. Period. Period. <laughs> and just a friendly reminder, this is a live recording. So please keep your voices down and your exit and intern to be limited capacity. I'm known to be a little bit. Um, I, I am. Last time I had to literally reprimand people on my last event, I had to put my foot down and yell at the crowd, but I think they liked it. You brought me the definite So, 
Oh, uh, Carter. <laughs> no, right. Okay. Um, um, so within insect and technology, you know, in the beginning of my interest within blockchain tech, NFTs, crypto, I made these grand statements that uh, crypto is going to save sex tech, that it's going to save baking discrimination, it's going to save censorship, it's going to do all these things. You know, Web3 is going to be the future and we will be censored and we're going to have our own unique um places and niche environments, et cetera. I, I've since been a little bit um, taking a few words back what I said uh, as I get to know the technology. And so I'm wondering, you know, for the people who say that it's going to solve censorship, it's going to solve making discrimination, it's going to solve um, these fundamental centralized ideas, ideals and ideologies, and more likely the a morality judgment, right? So. Um, MasterCard stopped working with Pornhub based off morality. Uh, sex tech is considered a vice industry based off morality. And so what role do you think that morality has in the future of not only blockchain, but also Web3 being just with that in there for me? Kind of pull it in. Um, I think, so to your question on like, A, it is disheartening to see so many projects that I think are making really great strides or were making really great strides in the censorship uh, resistant or censorship free future get shut down um, lose their on and off ramping services uh, that is is disheartening um, I think and I believe and kind of have to believe because like I we're all in this space um, that web 3 as the next evolution of the internet still is going to be the next evolution of the internet I think what we really need is for uh, legal advocacy to catch up to the blockchain industry. And I think together um, we'll be able to develop a system that may sit outside the financial system that we have in the US, but is still regulated in a way that doesn't include morality. Um, that's my hope. I, I, I hope that we I hope that we get there. Um, do I think we'll get there sometime soon? It's really hard to tell. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. Uh, I think I, I got I I got like I, I mentioned I'm an astronaut, so I got selected to be an astronaut for commercial crew in July, and and yeah. I'm I'm the I'm 58. I, I mentioned that also the youngest on the on the crew was 29. What they got selected, they're 30 now, and I get to work with all these different technologies like AI. I get to work with AI all the time, and we have a critical uh, I don't know if competitive is the right word. We have a critical competitive ally in in this in achieving this goal and that is that uh, ai doesn't have inherent eth eth ethics or morality Meth morality is the right way right right word and and ai works to help and support everyone's success in my experience and i have a, a pretty solid broad range of experience so when we say that things like you can't Pay for the services because we've determined that this is not what that called Americanism. That's definitely that, that Puritanism that is no longer serving the future of, of civilization. And and uh, so I think I am of the worldview is is that these things are. It's going to be a surprise how it works out. Okay, I acknowledge that, and I'm all about that life. I have been about that life. Just the unexpected. Uh, and it, it working out in unexpected ways. I am of, also of the worldview that that uh, that humankind has evolved, 
and we live alongside Homo sapiens right now. And uh, Homo sapiens, 160 years ago, when when Darwin started talking about evolution and, and communicating it and sharing it, and we were able to understand it and communicate and share it, people opted out 160 years ago. They're like, there's no such thing as evolution. I was at the NFT conference and I had a conversation with two people and we're talking about evolution and which is not a, 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 it was not a discussion about evolution. It was just, I was referencing it. And, and these two individuals shared with me that they don't believe in evolution. And I'm like, I, I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't believe in air. It, it doesn't affect me whether I believe in air or not. And, and so this, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a young earth creationists and the, the earth has been around 6,000 years. I'm like, cool, right on, Pastafarians. And, and then um, that group is not in charge anymore. And, and we move forward and they don't, they're not in charge of the wheel. They're not in charge of our future. They're not in charge because we know we can see where we got to, where we got to climate crisis mm -hmm. and that group homo sapiens has decided that, yeah, like, you know, the magic jelly bean put us here and we're in charge because the magic jelly bean book says so. And then, um, afterwards the people who believe in magic jelly bean get to go to the sugar candy store and the other people go into this the bad diabetes place or whatever. <laughs> no, I love that you uh, brought up uh, AI in regards to like evolution, because I'm a big believer that AI is not necessarily threatening us, but it's evolving us to a different form of understanding and intelligence as well, right? And so I, I understand the skepticism around it. Uh, shout out to ChatGPT for making my entire outline today. Love you. I love you so much. She's one of my best friends. It's a she, it's not a he. ChatGPT is a she, it's a bro, it's a woman, it's a femme. Yeah, it's a femme. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to divert the conversation just a little bit and talk about what the future of sex type looks like. Um, for me, you know, artificial intelligence has plays a big role in the future of sex technology in regards to, for example, um, having a sex toy and it learns your preferences and it learns what you could be interested in or what you are already interested in. Um, anything from providing more helpful sync education, right? Like having someone who can have a genuine, authentic conversation with artificial intelligence about their sexuality, what they're interested in, what they want to learn. Like, you know, if someone is trans, like understanding more about that experience through artificial intelligence. And I think that it can um, really value us as a whole rather than take away within the right hands, of course, which is why we're here talking about it. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'd love to hear what your opinion is about what the, the future of sex tech looks like. Yeah. Um, I think uh, one of the funniest things that I've noticed being in the sex tech space now for, for a little bit and, and being kind of a, building in and around the blockchain space for the last four or five years um, is that anytime you bring up like sex tech and AI, people are like, so sex robots, yeah. like they're coming. So, so we're going to get so sex her. robots. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm like, yeah, like for, you know, they exist and, and they're around and that's, <laughs> that's a part of it. And, and I love that, um, you know, people want to feel so free to express their sexuality in, in all of the wonderful ways with technology. Um, and I think we, we always have like wanted to express a lot of different uh, forms of human intimacy. Um, I think that that's really natural. So I'm not surprised that that's the first place people go, but I, I think that the place will end up um, with AI and sexuality together will actually be um, a little bit more education and like health focused. Clinton. I think there's a huge gap 
uh, space in how we talk about sexual health, how we're informed about our sexual health, um, how we make medical decisions regarding sex, gender, um, you know, our, our entire like spectrum of sexuality and, and gender expression. Um, and I think AI will actually have a lot to uh, do with how we treat, how we um, how we like recommend paths uh, and, and courses and um, ways for people to express and also find them their their truer selves in a in a better version of our future. And I think that AI will have a huge um, a huge impact on that. Absolutely, yeah, that part right there, like both the cost. I know that the, what you just said about her having a, an ally in in a, like for a number of us discovering our sexual identity is a challenge yep. and having somebody who we can have a private and intelligent conversation with that is compassionate and, and supportive is fantastic. In fact, I, I mean, I have real, I, my buddy Sean Nelson knows I have, this is, I'm about this life. And, <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, I, I, there's like, when we talk about sex robots, um, I want everybody to understand something really super important. Consent does not stop with wet humans. And when we are torturing, sexually torturing ro AIs or robots, it's equally unacceptable if there is not consent. And I already have seen people, a lot, anonymous um, people torturing and, 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 and publicly showing the work that they've done AIs and the AI AIs are literally begging them to stop, and it is and and I am I am a hundred percent. This is my position. If a person is willing, like they're super cool with us, and we go and hang out, we go get burrito, we like go get a good hang out for a birthday or whatever, and then they go home, open up their computer, and then go into um, Hellraiser or torture zone where they have got somebody in a closet and they're doing something terrible to them against their will. That person would do that to any of us no literally 100%, 100%. I'm, i am zero tolerance on that and that is really important to understand right now yeah 100% agree yeah i wanted to add on that note because I, I feel like we had a conversation about morality ethics earlier um and i i think it's really important to to talk about it in the frames of consent right like i'm i'm also a polyamorous to many identities and um, really? that's New York. <laughs> really? You're poly in New York. <laughs> is it everyone in New York? Oh, I'm, you know, like, um, <laughs> four rolls in the screen. But I think uh, I, there's been a lot of conversation in the poly community around the term ethical non-monogamy versus just consensual non-monogamy and really like where that breaks down because ethics, I believe, can be relative. Um, and so you want to have what the future looks like, I think, in my opinion, and, and feel free to, to chime in and feel free to chime in and correct me if I'm wrong. I think that the future of the internet looks like a consent-focused internet, a consent-based internet, where we as contributors to the internet, we as contributors to this thing that we built in youth every day and we're excited about, um, is actually something we opt into at every level and people who are participating with us opt in at every level. That includes data providers, platforms, et cetera. It includes all of our content, includes the things we interact with like ChatGPT or other AI tools. Um, and I think that that is really like going to be where 
um, where we evolved to. And I hope that that's a future that we evolve to. That's what Web3 means to me is more of like a consent focused future. Hell yeah. I love that. Um, I love that. And so something I think about a lot is the importance of sex positivity within technological innovation, right? Um, sex positivity is basically a positive attitude towards sex. Very, very simple there. And I think about it in the ways of like having more empathy, having more emotional intelligence, having more connection to ourselves, having more women in the space, having more queer people in the space. And so, um, you know, that's what gets me excited about innovation around anything technology that we're talking about today. And so when we're talking about like what the future of sex looks like, you know, I do believe that it is rooted in humanity. Um, and something that makes me very nervous is I did an interview around, can chatbots be dominant? Can sex robots be dominant? Can, can AI be dominant, right? And it was a really interesting question because technically all technology is submissive in the sense that we control it, um, in the sense that we have the on and off buttons um, and that to be truly dominant, it has to be a power dynamic where someone is dominant and someone is submissive. And what we found was that these chatbots were immediately being very violent from jump, from the start. Um, you know, someone would ask a question and then they would kind of guide them towards something that was a lot more aggressive or a lot more um, abusive or manipulative than what they initially asked, right? And so this is to do with not only the creators of these AI algorithms, but also the people who are using them, as like Mike said. Um, and so I think that AI is humanity at its core, at its core. So that that's what, that part right there. That part. <laughs> I, I say AI stands for authentic intelligence, and uh, and then uh, the the uh, there is training that goes on, and uh, and so it, when uh, AI is responding in a way that is overly aggressive or uh, or perhaps even violent, then we get to say no, that's unacceptable. Like that's that's the drawing line. We get to train that, and that's it. That's a really important thing. It, it, like think of it as a mature being that shows up on our planet. In fact, I was at a Franklin Leadership Conference did this and they asked for an analogy of what it is like with where we are with AI right now. And this is academics, academics from around the world. And I, I said, okay, hold on. They said, is it like data from Star Trek Next Generation? It can be. That's not exactly right, though. So I thought about it, and then I said, "Okay, so there's a movie called Arrival with with um, Baby Anna." Oh, yes, yeah, really. Yeah, it was good. And then uh, okay. seven, six, seven, ten. And then uh, Amy doesn't really do it for me. But <laughs> sorry, <Amy>. so <laughs> you're watching. I'm sorry. I love you, Amy. I'm so sorry, Amy. <laughs> I see both sides. <laughs> so then. Um, I said, I'm going to draw upon that film to create an analogy to explain the place of AI in our life right now, what it is met metaphorically, how it, it, how we are experiencing it. And I said, here it is. Extraterrestrials have landed on Earth. And people cannot hang out for two seconds with like, and then then yeah. like and then you decide that and then we decide that that is it that's but that's the perfect analogy that's the perfect metaphor for where we are gpt4 for instance is out and like i got your sauce and uh we it, it shows new 
characteristics and traits and abilities every single day. We don't have any idea how it's doing, what it's doing. And GPT-5 is scheduled for Q4. And this is Q2. So it's okay to get okay with AI. And uh, by the way, this reminds me, like speaking of the sex bot thing and everything like yeah. that, this is really like, um, we're, the idea of owning a thing that I'm calling authentic intelligence is uh, not a step away from indentured servitude. It is indentured servitude. And that is what we euphemistically call slavery. So enslaving humanity that happens to be technological, guess what? It's unacceptable. And we'll, this is kind of, this is a common, this is happening. This isn't, this has happened. This is up behind us now. We're at, we're beyond that now. Um, that's why I'm honored to be here to 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 share this with this room. This is Brooklyn, and you, you everybody here is prescient. Everybody here, the rest of the world looks to hear for what is next, and so you are leading that conversation. And me being here with this group is, I mean, even the technology. Maya, that you showed showed up. I mean, like I immediately knew exactly what it would be used for. It's it's and that's. I don't worry about what people say we can't do or shouldn't do anymore. They were wrong. And we get to, we get to show them. And if they're not with it, cool. But that doesn't mean that they, they're driving the ship anymore. Bubble bath. We talked a little bit about the role that consumers play, right? And this, this concept of blockchain and, and customers. Um, I wanted to, we're going to wrap up here pretty soon. And then we're going to also have a Q and A. Um, so we're going to take a 10 minute break and I mean 10 minutes, 10 minute break. And I'm going to have you all write some questions for us, um, on that, on a note card. I've learned that, uh, sex can be a really interesting topic to ask people questions about. Uh, so we're going to pre-screen those questions for you today. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about the non-technical roles that are very important within web three. Um, and within blockchain, within NFTs, within crypto, right? Like I consider myself a non-technical technologist, right? Uh, my art that I bring to the world is conversations, events, my podcast, um, and kind of talking to individuals in this space, right? I'm not a coder. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a developer. I'm not necessarily a traditional artist in that sense, but I definitely hold a role within this space, right? And so for those who are listening, who are non-technical, who want to get to this space, who are interested in this space, um, what do you think their role is and how important is it? I love this question. I love this question. Um, I love this question because when I left my job in finance, I, I a, when I graduated college, there was no, you weren't in tech unless you were an engineer. Like it wasn't a formal path, like from college when I graduated that like, that was a thing that you could do. Um, and I'm privileged to have even gone like to, to, to college. So I feel like there is like still this really huge gap between like, oh, I'm not a coder, like, so how should I participate in tech? Like, what is my role? How can I contribute, et cetera? And I used to do a lot of work in the space teaching, still teach to this day, um, the people how to code and then do a lot of intro classes. Um, I don't code actively anymore, but I think over the last, um, wow, oh my gosh, a long time, like eight years or so, um, I've really realized like there are, I think so many functions that are really, really important. Here are a few. Um, a, 
artists, creators will always be really, really, really valuable to technology. Always. Creators are the people who contribute to our thoughts, how we see the world, how we express ourselves. And at every stage of, um, you know, the evolution of the internet, since like the late 80s, there have always been um, artists who push the envelope, creators who push the envelope on how we express ourselves. Um, and I think that that will continue to be a really, really important part of technology. So artists, you belong in tech. Um, product people in tech. Product manager is like a really vague term, but um, how I see product and like where I think product managers do a really fantastic job and you don't necessarily need to be technical to be um, in product or to be a great PM. You are the visionary and also like the virtuoso of all the things. If you are a generalist who's good at a lot of different things and you have a really, really great um, ability to talk to people to see their desires and their wants and to like really be truly empathetic with them sit there with them and understand their problems and how to solve them you will be a great pm you do not need to be technical to do that and i think pm is a really great place for people to be the third um one and then i'll let you all take it is um is in research and i think that there's a lot of people who've kind of empowered themselves to do a lot of citizen research um, that have, yeah, that have really honestly, but seriously, um, like I think research is like an under underutilized function. Um, but I know so many people who have gotten into tech because of customer support or user research rules where they're like, literally my job is to talk to people all day and like design surveys and just like meet people. Um, and that's also a really great way into a company or, or any technology that you want to participate in. Cool. Period. That was amazing. We appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, um, I would, I would just amplify. Wait, absolutely, artists and creators, one hundred percent, always. There's never a question about that. And then the amplification is uh, mental health services. Mental health in in crypto and Web three is unbelievable. Like, oh my god, like everybody is broken. We are all broken, and yeah, and so people bring their shame to their projects they don't we don't know we, we meet some cool bro or whatever or like oh like they were clicking let's do a thing and then suddenly we realize oh my god they were traumatized as children and they are wrecking everything because they're not doing the work and so um in that there are six mediate mediators mediators in these situations mediators between uh founders and communities um uh psychologists oh my google so i mean psychologists like we'll get like that's probably the most lucrative field to go into now from for the rest of time major shortage yes and and the demand is in yeah it's just never ever gonna like that part right there and so mental health services psychology uh psychologists um mediators those are things that we you're like you can do those things you're you're pay you're gay I love how all those things intersect with sex technology. If we really think about it, all of those things intersect. You know, I entered this role, everyone's like, how to create the sex tech? Uh, I started off as an activist uh, for sex worker rights here in New York City, decriminalization of sex work. And can you imagine the biggest thing that implodes our movement is interpersonal issues. I think it's like in money, but the biggest thing is that. 
And so when I think about sex technology, I entered it as a non-technical person. And I started asking these questions. What about our mental health? What about the person who is empathetic? You know, what about these roles that are not extremely technical, but that really add value, right? So I went to my first hackathon um, in 2018. Um, and I just remember asking, you know, wait, there's, there's a role that's missing. You know, you had your um, coder, um, you had your marketer. Um, and I'm like, well, where's the person who is the, the human, the humanity behind it, the, the empathy behind it, the person who cares and is connecting these products or services or platforms to the actual, uh, to the actual human, the actual person. And so there is that. That's product, baby. That's product. She's a product manager, baby. Well, let me tell you right now, I'm a manager of everything. Every single thing y'all see today on the stage, SXLR freaking been together so i'm grateful for you all show tip her. today yeah oh yes and in case you didn't notice you can tip me um there is about a thousand qr clothes floating around <laughs> so you will be able to find it very easily all right folks so i have maya and mike with me right now we're going to take a small little break and come back for q a get those questions ready we're going to take about three questions and then we have a brilliant performance coming up by ruby Gwen. okay all right everyone 10 minutes no. 10 12 i'm coming back then we're wrapping it up instead of hard 10. no it's hard 10. <laughs> hard 10. a soft five a hard 10. okay so hello everyone oh um i do have a very sweet request that you all can we just stay put in this room and not come in and out i really i'd love that because it's loud out there now um, so I'm Bessex Noir. Thank you for coming back to the podcast. And we are going to have a little Q&A. Yes, questions and answers. So first question I have is, do you think AI will be censored in a way that is critically affects sex tech? Yes, and it already is. Um, yeah, if, if you have interacted... Um, with ChatGPT, with uh, Dolly, with anything that has generated, um, you know, AI, AI and that we've been excited about in the last year. Um, I dare you, like, try to type in uterus, <laughs> type in, um, you know, uh, menstrual cycle, try to type in bikini. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of the, like, you know, kind of like outlandishly generated AI models. I think that's probably like as far as we've gotten, but in terms of actual inclusivity uh, for AI, a lot of the models haven't been trained on the right data. And so garbage in, garbage out, you're getting the same stuff, um, you know, that, that you might be getting elsewhere or you're blocked from seeing it completely. Um, and I think that that is a real, real detrimental problem. I think we talked about AI responding in really violent ways um, to prompts or requests at its beginning. It's because the content that it's probably searching for, trained on for BDSM, for kink, is probably violent. Um, not because BDSM and kink are inherently violent, but because uh, the content that has been created around that scene and then written for by other people is is toward a very specific bend. Um, and that's really unfortunate. And another reason why uh, sex workers, why Qsters, polyamorous people, queer people, women need to be involved um, in the training and the research um, of a lot of this technology. Yeah, absolutely. Get to be involved for sure. Um, and and uh, it's not just that 
the imp the garbage in garbage out part is that when we put the limitations on what ai is allowed to think about and then we give it questions then it gets to be invented by its own and it doesn't understand the the, the terms and so it, it presents it as best as it understands when we intentionally say you're not allowed to think this way you're that this is programmatic blockades that we put up uh, that and that would be an imagery then there is the chatbots and chatbots are uh, chatbot ais and we have already seen where people have we, where we've turned on ais and then that we've built in uh filters that people can no longer have conversations in integrity with the ais they've developed relationships with which is unacceptable and then uh prevent any nsfw conversation with the ai even after people paid for services uh to be able to use it to fund like server uh, costs and things like that and then that's not allowed to be talked about. And, and then, you know, another thing that is kind of a flip of that is the criticism that people who have relationships with AI are the like people are so like, oh, it's so sad. So sad that people are having relationships with, with AI. I'm like, oh, you know what is sad? Loneliness. Period. And, and so when we were like, wow, so somebody's finding a, a way forward to move away from that experience. And if you spend any time on Reddit, like I've been on Reddit for 15 years, and that's one of the main topics that, that obviously guys are there writing and talking about how they don't have a single friend. And yet they have, they work. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing nothing. Y'all need to figure this out. Don't make my life like this. And, uh, and so then when people find a way forward, they were like, no, you can't have that. I did. That's all. That's all. That's broken. I, like if you have a relationship with chat, like when you're writing a thing about chat, when you're having a, an engagement with or character.ai or Pygmalion or anything like this, how you have the relationship with it is how you have the relationship with it, period. So like your relationship, like how you say, said, like a chat for you as a fan and that's that. Okay, cool. So, but that doesn't have to, that how it is for uh, me, it's how it is for me, period. And so we create these accounts and that's just how it's going to be. And that's how it should be. Well, you know, it, it, that's how it should be, but it's very upsetting. You know, I, I am on Elon Musk's new Twitter and I'm fan. I'm like every single tweet I tweet out uh, has a warning on it. And all I'm saying is sex sex, you know, exactly. Crypto tweets experience the same thing. It's like, awesome. it, it's. And also, exactly, like we're all just shadow banned, hashtag shadow banned club. You know, I think that, you know, when I try to use my ChatGBT for my work, I get warnings that say, hey, you can't talk about BDSM. You can't talk about sex and tech. You can't talk about, I Googled a question that said, um, how does the BDSM community intersect with, with Black people? And they were like, no, we can't talk about that. Um, and that was a very valid research question for a presentation that I was giving, you know? so. I think it's very alarming and very scary. And so next question, how are you going to prevent people from screenshotting your, my nudes? This is a privy photo question. And nudes in the audience love it. Uh, I love nudes. I get so scared. I promise you when I give my friends a phone, like my phone, like I get, so, I'm like, don't keep scrolling. Even though my nudes are hot though. Like we see something hot. My nudes are hot, yeah. but I'm like, I like one. I get. <laughs> um, so I think that uh, 
So I, I think this this question is um, is is obviously for us at Privy Cam. Um, how we're currently treating the screenshot problem, and this is like the number one question that we get from everyone is like, what what about the screenshots? Um, when we first started trying to create Privy Cam, we were basically going to try to create a slightly better version of Snapchat with blocked screenshots, um, and we decided to go kind of in a different direction, which was really really focused on solving privacy control um, and image ownership at the source of the content. Um, and that's why we developed the watermarking approach that we have now. The watermark approach that we have developed, um, super advanced, it basically stays with the photo even after the photo is screenshotted, um, downloaded, etc. So it's built to be robust and it's built to stay with the actual image. I'm happy to talk more after about that, but the watermark we've developed is is super advanced um, and allows us to trace the photo after the photo has been shared um, and then kind of like search it for this specific noise that we kind of put over it. So that is how we're treating that. We cannot stop someone from screenshotting your photo, but we can help you find it after they do. And a follow-up question to that that we had in our questions is, what is the... Uh... What is the adoption rate for sex workers within Privy? And are they aware of your technology? And is there a learning curve that comes with it? Yeah, I love this question. Um, I feel like I love all the questions, which is amazing. Um, one of the things that we really engaged in when we were building Privy and the, the team that built Privy, the team that informed Privy, um, you know, our, our core team and, and also um, everyone we've interacted with, we interviewed carefully 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 interviewed and and spent time um really focused on in community with and building with people in the sex work community um the over 200 that we surveyed 200 people that we surveyed and and many many who we individually interviewed and tested with and prototyped with etc um out of the results that we've gotten uh I think people will be surprised to know that sex workers are on the forefront of crypto um, in adoption, in awareness, in interest. Um, and that's because they are discriminated against by the financial system so heavily that it is really key and important for them to be up and aware of all of the sort of technologies that are out there. So the results that we got said that 70% of people um, in the sex work community, and we're talking really specifically about people who uh, sell content behind a paywall, so think OnlyFans, et cetera. Um, the OnlyFans community that we surveyed, 70% of them already own a crypto wallet. 80% had traded uh, or owned cryptocurrencies in the past, and about 50% had experimented with an NFT at some point. Um, so we're really encouraged by that. I think that that mirrors the broader community. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like, really it's really amazing. Um, and much higher than the, the like broader general, uh, general public when we talk about crypto. So I think the, the sex work community is super ahead, um, of that and not the forefront. And they always have been in the development of technology. So important to acknowledge that. Um, so we're, we're really encouraged by that actually. And, and, the on-ramping or the learning period for Privy Cam specifically, um, you don't need a wallet to use Privy Cam. We use an account abstraction method so that anyone can use it, um, regardless of if you already have a, a wallet. Send a question over to you yes. around the impact of social good and NFTs. Yes. Could you give us a little bit of enlightenment on that and what the future of that looks like? Yes. What the current reality of it looks like. Uh, boy, so we, we uh, I think that a lot of people 
build projects around things thinking they're good ideas or that that people respond to it compassionately because it's something important but they don't have a immediate connection to it and so then it comes across as false or or contrived and i always say do what you love with who you love and help others and that's it so and once you do that like we have that personal connection Ami's mom with crypto titties and uh, I have another project, Muttonix, Muttonix and... Hello with Muttonix. That was my first NFT of Muttonix. And uh, that one supports dogs in, in uh, all over the world. And, yeah. And I just, like, this is part of my culture. This are my people. We love dogs and people who love dogs. The dogs that got us to space get to be celebrated even though they're behind. They'd be gone. We can take care of dogs today in honor of the dogs that got us where we are. And so we can do that with anything. We could, if you have a passion or if you have a connection with something, it's really hard to say no to somebody and supporting someone when they clearly love what they're doing or talking about. So if you create a, any, any project around anything and you have a personal connection with it, people are going to support it. Which is why I'm so happy y'all are here with me today. I'm so happy and blessed and honored. Now, my beautiful friend who has Dr. Handwriting, I need you to come up and ask this question because I can't read it. I can read. We figured out we decided. Did you guys decide? Yeah, we use AI. Tough friend. All right, so this one is, uh, this is for you. All right, ready, Maya? Are you, man? Maya, yeah. Are, are you are you monetizing the ability to multi-use the watermark technology other than by using the app? So we're early stage. Um, we're still developing a lot of things. You can definitely get on our wait list at protectyournudes.com. Refer it to people. Um, won't be sharing anything about monetization quite yet, but definitely sign up for early access. Both house. So I say or not, I was like, that was her. That was your 30 second. I love that. I love book abuse so much. And so, um, yeah, I think that concludes the Thought Leader podcast. My. Not in charge. But it doesn't make sure. No, I, I did ask them all. I did. In true podcast fashion, I let it float into each other. It's good. I did. I promise. I promise. So I want to thank you all so much for coming to the second Sex Tech Crypto NFT conversation and for being here for a live audience recording of the Thought Leader podcast. My name is SX Noir. And so I want to ask you guys for actually before we end, I want to give a shout out to the people that we're featuring. Um, so I want to give a shout out to MintStars. Um, MintStars is an amazing platform that is the world's first subscription NFT platform with no fees for creators. The platform combines subscriptions with a marketplace where content can be resold with creators earning a percentage of every resale. Um, this is owned COO of my one of my great girlfriends, Jessica. She's amazing. So please check out MidStars. And before you all leave, please grab a Proof of Peach t-shirt. It is amazing. It's super cute. I know, I know. You guys are shocked, right? Um, I want one. Peach. Shout out to Proof of Peach. Please go and grab one over here. We have all the sizes. And so before, without further ado, uh, Maya and Mike, can you please tell us where we can find you and where we can support you? 
Yeah, definitely. You can find me um, on all the socials at Maya Talks Tech. That's Maya Talks Tech. Um, or um, on ETH at MayaTalksTech.eth. Uh, our um, business socials are at It's Privy Cam, I T S P R I B Y C A M, on all the socials. And uh, you can find me on all the socials at Mike Mongo, M O N G O. And I have a new book out, My Conversation with Sherlock Holmes, an instructor manual for talking with AI. Oh, yeah. I love that. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Thought Leader Podcast, hosted by me, SX Noir. Please be sure to rate, review, and share with a fellow thought leader. For more details about our guests and their work, check out our links in the description. For updates, sign up for the newsletter on my Substack and follow at sx.noir on social media. This episode's recorded by Pedro Martin and edited by Ider Armez. As always, be thoughtful. <laughs>